Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Yes, that's true for me, it's true for you. 
Father, this morning, we pray that as we go into your word, that we would be a group of people that are so hungry for you that we refuse to become comfortable empty. As I have mentioned, Father, and you know this to be true, most of us walk around very empty. The statistics teach us that one out of ten are the only Christians that say they feel full enough of you that they actually love you and love others. That means the rest of us are completely deficient of fullness. I pray today that as we go into your word, you would continue to challenge us and fill us up with what we need to operate in this day and age that we're faced with. Help us to encounter you in your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, I've been challenging you over the course of several weeks now. And I think I, I finally see a light at the end of the tunnel and know that we're going to be landing this series here in a couple weeks. But I just, every time I think we're done, the Lord gives me something else. And I'm a, a couple weeks ahead, and so I know where we're going. But this one today is very important. I've been challenging you that uh, you've got to understand that Jesus didn't just come to save you. He came to fill you. I've been trying to prove that to you uh, by reading to you uh, over and over again, John chapter 10.10. We read it a little bit differently last week. We're going to read it like this again this week. We're going to insert our own name, all right? Are you ready? Here, put it on the screen, Teresa, if you will. We're going to read this. We're going to insert our own name. Here it is. The thief comes only in order to, to kill or to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that Steve, come on, put your name in there, that Steve may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Some of y'all participated. Some of you still don't even believe that for yourselves. He came so that you could have life and have it abundantly. Then in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, you don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without Him. Here we go. We're going to insert. When Steve... Come on, put your name in there. When Steve comes to him, that fullness comes together for Steve too. His power over everything. It extends over everything. So Jesus has this desire to produce fullness in us. Some of y'all are saved, but you're empty. That is not what Jesus came and died for. He came to save you and to fill you. And so we've been challenging you. I've said that, uh, and, and we're going step by step, I said that we should be thankful. That if we know Jesus, we should be the most grateful people on the planet. So that when we walk into this house and somebody even like gets the J of Jesus out, we begin to just, oh, thank you, Jesus. And we become thankful. And then it, then it gets really good and it permeates our life to the degree that we don't just thank Jesus, we thank people. Okay, some of y'all still maturing in that. All right. We got to be purposeful. We got to know our must. What is our must? I must do this. You've got to know what you're here for. You must be graceful. And anybody have the opportunity other than me and Mike, because me and Mike talked, we had the opportunity, not at the same time, in various locations and sundry places, we had opportunities to be graceful anybody else that you had to make a choice that i'm going to offer uh, we were the only ones mike everybody else had a great week yeah okay keith finally come come on help me now see you had to have you had to make a, a choice 
I'm going to offer somebody grace who doesn't deserve it. Right? Okay. So now let's keep going. Luke chapter 5, uh, beginning of verse 12, verse 16. And by the way, I didn't tell Julie I was using this passage of Scripture, and then they sing about lepers. However, I will say this. Every time we sing that song, I can't help it. I go back to when I was a teenager in Apache, and you sing, he can change, what is it? He can change the leper spots. My mind always goes to leopard. Sorry, I can't. I know it's not that, but I just, I thought for years we were singing about a big cat in our services, and I couldn't understand. Um, just me, I know, but all right. Luke, Luke, we're not talking about a cat in this one, all right? Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. One day in a certain village he was visiting, there was a man with an advanced case of leprosy. Light bulbs going, bing, bing, bing. This is what we're talking about. Okay. When he saw Jesus, he fell to the ground before him, face downward in the dust, begging to be healed. Sir, he said, if only you will, you can clear me of every trace of my disease. And Jesus reached out. And touch the man. Okay. Okay, let me stop right there and just say, you do recognize in that moment that Jesus was operating in an abundance of grace. Because at the moment, first of all, he breaks the law. He has to go out of his way. And he reaches out and touches that man. And in that instant, Jesus becomes religiously, according to the religion of that day, religiously unclean. Unclean. Okay. Some of y'all are happy about that. Y'all have forgotten where you started. He went out of his way and he touched you. Jesus can totally heal what's eating you up. That was free. That ain't in your notes. All right, so you've got the backdrop. Here's Jesus' response. Of course. Of course I will be healed. And the leprosy left him instantly. Then Jesus instructed him to go at once without telling anyone what had happened and be examined by the Jewish priest. Offer the sacrifice that Moses' law requires for lepers who are healed, he said. This will prove to everyone that you are well. Now the report of his power spread even faster and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But he often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Okay. This account tells us about an, an unbelievable moment in Jesus' ministry. Leprosy was the AIDS of their day. Incurable, social stigma attached to it, outcast rejects, nobody understood it, nobody wanted to be around it. It's an incredible moment of Jesus exhibiting power. It boggles the mind. And because it boggles the mind, and because it was such a significant encounter, and because the details are given, and it just it goes against everything that was supposed to happen, because it was like that, we miss it. We absolutely miss a very incredible statement made at the end. Because out of this passage after talking about this man that has an advanced case. I think that's an important word. It is an advanced case. After Jesus touches and heals him, Luke says this, but he often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus models for us. Let, I, I struggled with this thought all week long. Jesus, the son of the living God, God in flesh, 
modeled for us that we must be prayerful. Prayerful. Jesus, I'm convinced of this, Jesus could not have been graceful and powerful had he not been first prayerful. In fact, your ability to really deal with what we've been talking about. I, I, Ashley and I were talking about this before service. I don't want this just to be a series of messages. I want you to take stock of your life and recognize where you fall in this. Are you empty of the things we're talking about? I want you to be thankful. I want you to be purposeful. I want you to be graceful. I want you to be all the other full, not, not full, F-O-O-L, F-U-L-L, uh, that, that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. But it all hinges right here. You cannot be full of anything else if you are not also prayerful. On two different occasions, Jesus confronts and chastises and even corrects his disciples. He does this because of their lack of prayer. The first was when they, the, the, the disciples were cr- uh, confronted with a demon-possessed boy who they couldn't help. They tried. They'd seen Jesus do his deal, so they tried to mimic him. I'm going to come back to that. They tried to mimic him and do what he had always done, and they come up short, swinging a miss. They couldn't do it. And Jesus reveals their deficiency when he declares to them, these kind only come out. By prayer and fasting. So they weren't powerful because they weren't prayerful. So they come up short when someone needed them. How many of us are so empty that when people approach us with need, we have nothing to offer because we have not established power in our lives because we have not been prayerful? There's a second instance. The second instance was in the garden when Jesus needed them, they fell asleep. Had a whole new perspective on this as I began to think about this. Let me see if I can frame it like this. Do you realize that Jesus had a prayer request? And he made it, not to God, but to his disciples. Y'all missed it. God himself made a prayer request to the men that he was surrounded by. Y'all missed it again. God himself said, would you please pray for me? Okay, I know that blew my mind. I, I struggled all week with that. Pray for me. And they couldn't do it. It leads to that moment where they fall asleep and Jesus comes back time and time again and he asks them that blush-inducing, stomach-turning question. Couldn't you even, like, Pray for one stinking hour. He didn't say it just like that, but he might have. I would have. I might have said it a little different. You bums. I stay up all night praying for you. You wake me up when I'm on the boat. I I was asleep. And all I asked you to do was go to bed early the night before. So you could stay awake when I needed you the most. You were restful and I needed you to be prayerful. God makes a prayer request to man. So I ask you about people, 
how many of us are presented by God with opportunities where he needs us? And we don't have the ability to respond because we lack prayer. Listen to me very carefully. If we're going to be full this year, if we're going to be able to respond when people have needs, if we're going to be able to respond when God has needs, that's the weirdest statement I've ever made to you probably in the history of our church. When God has needs, when God has an opportunity for us, if we are going to be able to respond, the only way that will ever happen is if he finds us prayerful. Our dilemma is, is that we want to receive the request and then become prayerful. And what must happen is we got to get ready ahead of time. We must prepare for often. So let me share the secret with you. Because there was a secret recipe contained in this passage of Scripture that we miss. It's this. He often withdrew for prayer. I want to make a statement to you that I need you to catch this morning because it is, this is a profound statement, I believe. What you do often is what fills you. You think about that a moment. If you stress out often, you will be stressful. If you worry often, you will be worryful. I'm going to make up some words. If you freak out on a regular basis... You will become freakful. Okay, I don't know. I just was having fun there. It doesn't make any sense, but, but I had to. It's been like months since I created a word. And Whatever you do often. So my question is, what do you do often? When is the last time or how often do you set aside things so that you can pray? How often do you to adjust your schedule so you can pray? How often do you push your career to the back burner so you can pray? How often do you say, kids, give me a 15 minutes. I just need 15 minutes so I can pray. How often do you say, you know what? I love to do this. This is my hobby, but I need to pray. How often? Because what you do often is what you will be full of. In First Thessalonians, the writer tells us about the prayer component of life. And in three simple words, he mandates the type of prayer life that we should have. When he says, here it is, pray without ceasing. That is a tall order. But in what he, I think what he is literally saying in, in chapter 5, verse 17 there when he says pray without ceasing, I think what he's literally saying is that we should be so full of prayer that there's no beginning and there's no end. That there's this constant, uh, this constant flow of prayer. There's no amen ever in our prayers. There's no, uh, no, no ending point. There's this constant in our own life pulling away, driving down the road, pulling away. At work, typing, doing our job, honoring our boss by doing our job like we're supposed to, but at the same moment, doing something else inside of us. There's this constant, consistent, relentless, unending flow of prayer going out of us, praying for the people around us, praying about our job, praying about our family, praying about our nation, praying about our kids, praying about our movers, praying about our church, praying about our leaders, praying constant without cease. 
no ceasing, constant flow, constantly. You do recognize that 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 is also the same exact passage that says, be thankful in everything, in all occasions. Maybe a connection. Maybe we only remain thankful to the degree that we, be, we, we remain prayerful. Just saying. I want to challenge you today that maybe you can't respond to the people that, that you need to respond to that God sends your way. Maybe you can't respond to God because you're so worryful and so stressful and so careful because you aren't prayerful. I believe that way too many of us, listen to me, listen to me, way too many of us want to operate in prayerful authority but at a prayerless level. And then we are shocked at the anemic results that we get. We want to, I mean, we've been taught, man, we've been schooled in how to operate in authority. Something goes wrong at our house, man, we, we'll unwrap authority in the name of Jesus. I bind you. I, I, I plead the blood. It's the first time we prayed in like nine months. And nothing happens. We continue to try to operate in this prayerful authority from a prayerless position, and nothing happens. That's why Spurgeon said this. He said, we must pray to pray. That's crazy. We must pray to pray and continue in prayer that our prayers may continue. You think about that a minute. He's right. We've got to come to this place where we make a commitment to pray. Some of you have a commitment to worship, but you won't pray. Some of you have a commitment to church, but you won't pray. Okay, it's all right, so what, what does that mean? Well, Bill Hybel says this. He says, prayerless people cut themselves off from God's prevailing power. And listen to this. Listen, put yourself in this. Is this you? And the frequent result is the familiar feeling of being overwhelmed, overrun, beaten down, pushed around, and defeated. Then he says, surprising numbers of people are willing to settle for lives like that. So if you feel overrun and overwhelmed and defeated and pushed around, may I suggest to you that it could be an indication that maybe you are not prayerful. Jesus often withdrew for prayer. So in light of his model and his request, in the light of the standard that we are given to pray without end, I'm asking you to ex honestly examine your own prayer life. See, there, and I'm almost done. Uh, there, there's this instance. Uh, I don't know. I, I try to put myself in Scripture sometimes. Let me, let me just walk you through what I've been walking through. If I had been Peter, James, or John, Right? I'm, I'm Peter, James, or John in this moment. And I have watched Jesus do some of this stuff right here, like walk on water. That's pretty cool, man. You think about that. I've watched him take bread and break it and multiply it 
and hand it out to thousands upon thousands of people. I like that one too because my grocery bill would go way down. I've literally watched Jesus go into situations where people are dead, like all the way dead. Not on life support, dead, like stinking for days, dead. And walk in and resurrect them. I have watched him step up on a boat and stand up on a mountaintop and begin to preach and crowds come out by the thousands. So I put myself in their their position. I'm Peter, James, and John. I think, you at least you would think, that when, when you have a request for Jesus, I would ask this, Jesus, teach me how to preach. <laughs> Come on now. Jesus, teach me how to do that bread thing. I got the bread. I got the fish. Come on, show me how. Jesus, teach me how to walk on water. Come on, we're not that far from the Sea of Galilee. I'll go down here. You, get, you take a run and start, and I'll be right behind you. Teach me. Teach me how to raise people from the dead. Please. And yet, the only thing that the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them to do was pray. Let that sink in. Could it be that they understood that the genesis of his miracles, the genesis of his ability to be able to walk on water, the, 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 the formation of his ability to break bread and multiply it, the, 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 the foundation of his ability to walk into cemeteries and the people to come up from the grave, maybe they understood that the very foundation of his ability to do all that started because he would get away from everybody and pray. And so when they had the opportunity to make the request, they simply say, Jesus, teach us. Teach us to pray. And I am asking us as a group of believers that call themselves passion, I am asking you to come to the place where you come back to a prayerful life. Quit waiting on prayer partners to do all the praying for you. Quit waiting on pastors to do all the praying for you. Quit waiting on all the little old ladies in the church that are prayer warriors to pray for you. You have got to become prayerful people so that when people have a need, you can respond. And when God presents us an opportunity we can respond that only comes when we pray well you say well you just killed our prayer times like you quit doing corporate prayer on Tuesday night y'all weren't coming anyway so I killed it so you must not really believe what you're you're saying yeah I do too because it's not enough to come one time a month and pray when we're instructed that the ability that we that I'm talking about comes when we learn to pray without ceasing. There is power in corporate prayer, but let me say this too, that we limit the power of corporate prayer when you bring a bunch of people together that have not prayed. Oh, y'all missed that? That went through. I said there is power in corporate prayer. Our dilemma is we don't pray until we get together, and then we want to operate in prayerful authority, and we're anemic. Pray 
without ceasing. So how do we, what, what are you saying, Steve? I, I'm, I'm just saying that I'm asking you to make a real commitment to prayer. So this is a novel idea. This will blow your mind. This, this will make the front pages of Charisma right here. This is the most novel idea you've ever heard of right here. We're actually going to pray in church. Okay, so let me just give you some instructions. You can determine how prayerful you are by how uncomfortable these moments that we're getting ready to participate in make you. Just saying. I want you to judge your own fullness, your own prayerfulness with these two questions. Kim, you can come on if you want to. Here are the two questions I want you to ask yourself as I release you to go to prayer. If someone asked me to respond in power, would my prayerfulness make it possible for me to respond? And if the answer is no, then you need to pray. And I'll be the first one in the altars. The second question is this. If Jesus made a prayer request to me today could I come through would, it, would everything else I'm full of in my life inhibit me from being able to respond and if the answer is if Jesus asked me to do something right now I'm not sure I can do it
hand stinking. Would you please find yourself a place to pray and ask God to fill your life up with an ability to pray more than you've ever prayed in your life this year. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.